Welcome to Level Up. I'm Sherelle. And I'm Danny. And this is the podcast where we talk about health, fitness, and mindset. Advice for online coaches, a big episode ahead. Yeah, well, obviously Danny and I are online coaches in the space. And, you know, we have been for quite some time now and we've seen a lot of the good and a lot of the not so good, both from like a business and a client and like a personal level. So today we really want to be able to give you guys some practical advice, but then just also have a little bit of a chat about some of the things that we've seen in the industry. Online coaching has definitely grown over the past few years. And I would say right now it is booming. It Mm. seems to be the popular thing, very trendy. A lot of people, they show off that they're an online coach. You know, it's it's portrayed to be quite a sexy job. And then you and I have been doing this for a long time now. And we sort of realised, hang on a minute, it's not all the glitz and glam and it's not all about having your laptop on the beach and being in Europe (laughs) and being on your laptop with your clients. It's not like that. So, yeah, why do you think that it has become so popular and and trendy and all of that? Definitely COVID. I mean, that's... I I feel like for a lot of people, that's what pushed them into the online space, especially with the fitness industry. Uh, And when we talk about like online coaching, we're obviously in the fitness industry or the health and fitness industry, but there's lots of different types of online coaching, right? Like you can get coaching online for anything. Like I'm sure you can get it for like cooking and you can get it for (laughs) mindset and you can get it for like anything, accountability, just performance. So online coaching is not just reserved for training and nutrition. It's like anything, you can do it online. So I feel like the world really had to adapt when COVID happened because you know, people couldn't practice in person. So a lot of people did go online. And then as you were saying, the the laptop lifestyle and like, why does everyone go to Bali? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's so cliche. But if you're going to build anything, right? Like if you're going to build, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I love because in my head, I'm like, I've got so many followers right now in Bali. Good on them. Yeah, good on Maybe them. Have a break, dream. have a holiday. But it's, it's a holiday, like it's a break. You can have a working holiday, right? But where people like go wrong is they think that oh they're doing that all over there but they're just working on the job do you know what I mean they still have that's their holiday they're still working do you know what I mean a lot of them can't actually take breaks so I feel like one social media popularized uh working online and being a business owner or an entrepreneur or a coach popularized that but then two I think also COVID forced a lot of people to do it totally totally agree I mean I had my online coaching for just sort of training and mm. nutrition before I graduated as an osteopath. But then COVID was the turning point where mm-hmm. I took literally even all my quote unquote osteotype rehab work. I just quit all hands on um, and then moved into that online space. And I think, I mean, the goal was always to do it, but mm. COVID was you know, it, it is what it is, but we have to count our blessings and look for the lights that came out of such a dark yeah, time. 100%. It really allowed people to value Zooms, mm. you know, even for meetings. Well, we did the podcast at Skype. Don't know. Yeah. We, Zoom. We questioned whether we were going to continue the podcast yeah. because we were like, how can we podcast? Because we used to record with our lapel on a couch <laughs> in my apartment. And I think COVID just forced a lot of people in lots of different industries to go online, right? Yes. And to move online and use technology. Yeah, it, it was a blessing because, mm. you know, you and I always had the quality product to offer, but people always thought, oh, I'll just see someone face to face, you know, and, oh, I'll just pop down to the local whatever for this service. But it was so great mm. for us, the service providers, to then be able to really step up and show what we're capable of and to be able to reach people all mm. over the world. Yeah. So that was a massive turning point, you know, for our careers as yep. well. But again, there's there's the positives and the negatives. Mm. So that's what we're going to share today. It's not all the glitz and glam. Yeah. You know, you and I do that so well. We just have the real talk about real scenarios. Mm. And that's what we're going to share today. Yeah. And unfortunately, when everyone is forced to do something, you're going to get people enter a market for the wrong reason. And we see that all the time where people want to go into online coaching or have an online business or an e-commerce business because they want the lifestyle rather than the job and like I've been a client of coaches that wanted that you know and I feel like 
we've said this before, but you've got to earn the right to go online. And I feel like you have to do the reps in person first. No, you don't have to work on a gym floor for like five years and, you know, do 500 hours or whatever. But you have to like earn the right to be able to handle an online environment. And I say this from, I guess experience building an online business but then also knowing how hard it is in comparison to doing stuff in person um, and I just even mean working in person like when I worked in person even just as a nurse you learn things in person like communication wise and just working with people and dealing with people and managing people that you won't get in an online environment and I feel like everyone regardless of what you are doing needs some ground level experience of just working in a in a job, in an, like not in an online environment, to be able to learn those fundamental skills because you just don't get that in an online environment. And that's where I feel like a lot of people go wrong is they jump in too soon because they think it's better, but they don't have the foundational uh, skills there with communication and just managing people to understand it. You're very right, particularly when it comes to healthcare. Mm -hmm. You know, we need those different levels of communication with our clients and to be able to express what we want from them. So let's just say, you know, with what we do, we have had that groundwork to not only see how someone moves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, uh, because you're viewing their technique on a screen, mm. certain angles, you can't just walk around and say, you know, put your knees out and, and touch them. It's all yeah, verbal. That's so it. it's, it's, and it's in hindsight too, right? Like it's after. It's yep. like, it's not in real time. Exactly. So like you can't even, you actually got to be good at giving advice after and ho and like, how are they going to remember it? You know, that's your job to yep. make sure they remember it. Do you have systems? Do you have technology in place to make sure that that can happen? Totally. So not only do you need those skills to be able to actually correct what or give the advice, but then you have to communicate it in a way yep. that lands with them because, mm. you know, you when you were a midwife and when I was working in the gyms and even in cafes you just learn how to talk to all kinds of people yep. and it's really important to be able to carry those skills into the online space because people can misread it mm -hmm. you might miss out a like that that um, meme let's eat grandma but then it's like if they put a comment let comma let's eat comma grandma two totally different <laughs> sentences you know yep. and there's only so many smiley faces and emojis you can use to try yeah. and get your message across i feel like communication is the biggest skill that you need mm -hmm. when an online coach whether oh. you show up for your clients but also setting the boundaries because the messages will come in 24 seven. And there's some days at the start when I started with online, mm. I would miss just clocking on, clocking off. Yeah. You know, instead of having just all the notifications 24 seven. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Digital communication is like, I love learning about that as a topic, digital communication, because as you said, it influences so much of what we say, you know, and what we say or what people think we say accounts for like 80% of the message that's portrayed to the other person. So it's actually more about how you say it. And in an online space, that's going to be like your grandma, your, your the, the emojis you do or don't use, um, as you mentioned with the, <laughs> the grandma um, <laughs> meme there. But all of those things are going to dictate your message, right? And it's so important to know how to communicate digitally in an online space to make sure that you're building really good rapport, you're creating psychological safety, and you're also, you know, portraying trust to other people so that they can share and relay that back to you. And a lot of people do not think about that. And honestly, I didn't either. When I was getting into an online space, I didn't think the first thing wasn't like, oh, well, how am I going to communicate digitally? It was <laughs> like, oh, well, I better put my training programs on here. And like, I was so fixated on the what being nutrition and training and education. I was so dictated on the what rather than the how. Like, how am I going to do this? Because I think in an online world as well, there's so many people that just can't copy paste, template everything. They, <laughs> they, they do all that sort of stuff, but you need to know how to actually deliver your message. And that's something I see even in social media, right? Communication is so important, how you portray something. Um, and yeah, a lot of people miss the mark on that. Yeah. And I also think that when people go online, they become a psychologist, a oh. nutritionist, a trainer, mm -hmm. you know, they, they try and do everything and be everything for everyone, particularly now. And I still talk to a lot of like even our staff or just some trainers who want to step into that space and mm. they have such high pressure on themselves, but to the point where 
it's not good. Because having a little bit of pressure on yourself is good because, mm. you know, it keeps your standards high and it keeps you hungry to strive for more. However, because it seems in our space that everyone is an online coach now, people think that they need to go above and beyond mm-hmm. and have all the bells and whistles and the fanciest, mm. like, programming and all of this stuff where, no, actually, because you need to find out what separates you amongst Mm. all of that noise. And, you know, you and I always talk about just find something that you're really good at and and keep fine-tuning that skill, you know. Stay in your lane, of course, based on what you're qualified to do, but don't be everything for everyone. Mm. Find your thing and really just stick at that and become the expert. Mm. You know, expert is relative to everyone else, but become the expert in your thing Mm. rather than just being everything for everyone. Yep. There's a quote by Simon Sinek uh, and it's, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And it basically it's saying like, again, a lot of people get so fixated in the training and the nutrition, they get so in the what, um, but they, they buy your why or how. You know, because when everyone's technically buying the same thing, training and nutrition or coaching, how you do what you do and why you do it are so important for you to stand out. And that's the the backbone of brand, right? Like you must have a strong brand and everyone has a brand, whether you like it or not. Your personal brand is a brand. Um, your business brand is a brand. So those things, like I can't even, if I could say one thing to anyone going online, like obsess over your brand, obsess over it for the first couple of years, obsess over building a really strong brand. So by the time, you know, you come to market and you come out into the world and you say, this is what I do, it's actually not about the what. You don't really want it to be about the what. You know, you want it to be about something bigger so people are attracted to it because you never want to compete on price and, you know, people are going to go down and find some coaching for $60, $70 and the thing about fitness is you get what you pay for. Uh, so if you go for cheap, you're going to get cheap, right? You're not going to get good quality and people don't want that. They want good quality. So it's about not obsessing over the wrong things and I think that's what a lot of people do in the online space because it's easy to do and like I said, that was definitely the way I started but I'd love to hear like what your thoughts were on like the what, the versus how, the why, like for someone getting into it. I mean, you're right in a sense that people do obsess over the wrong thing. And I find that, yeah, you need your brand online. You Mm. need to be posting on social media. But people chase the followers or they go straight away to having the best camera, the best setup. Mm. You know, we were talking to the guys who are in this studio and people have their first podcast in like in yeah. a big studio. I was like, I'd be so scared. We took, <laughs> we took three years to do this for yes. our own reasons, not saying that everyone has to take three years, yeah. but I think people are going too hard too early mm. and then they burn out with consistency yeah. because once you set that benchmark, mm. you have to ride that out because people don't really notice an increase in the quality as much as they would notice a downgrade. Mm. Because, you know, people get too fancy, they get too fixated on the followers um, and then consistency drops off. So I feel like consistency, you know, still good content, Mm. but it doesn't have to be so polished to the point where you do it once and never again, you know? Yeah, Um, what's the point? What's the point? And you also mentioned, you know, obsess. You said obsess over your brand. But what does that actually mean? Like, what are the elements that they need to be obsessing over, do you Mm. think? Your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So what would people say about Danny? What would people say about Sherelle? What would they say about you when you're not there, right? The same as your business. What would people say about your business when you're not there? That's what brand is. People think brand is a logo, (laughs) colours, (laughs) font. It's like no one gives a shit. Brand, (laughs) no one cares. No one even remembers, right? And, you know, I'm reminded of that all the time. But it's, it's brand is what people say about who you are and what you do when you're not in the room. And you have to like be so consistent in everything that you do from your messaging to your team's messaging, from what your clients say about your service or products. Everything has to be so consistent that that message penetrates and it's the same. Because as soon as there's mixed messaging with something, 
you lose your brand because it's like it's everywhere people don't understand um and you know even in the online space you know people butcher their brands all the time because it's like 10 percent off this and then it's over there and here's my discount code and now i'm over here and there's no <laughs> consistency or trust or loyalty you know and a brand to me is really loyal it's strong it's like that's what you represent that's who you are it's your messaging it's your why so i don't know like i love brand because i just feel like where is it in the fitness industry? You see the, like, look at Nike. You know, I was at the DFO the other day um, and it was just out of control. The line was like around the corner. Really? And I was looking at their messaging as well. And it was like, you know, when you think of like 2XU or some of those other sports brands and I think athlete performance. I used to think that about Nike. But when I was in the shop, I was looking around, I'm like, these are just everyday people. Like everyone's wearing Nike. And then on the wall, it was like, if you've got a body, you're an athlete. And I was just oh, wow. noticing how their branding was changing because obviously they want everyone to wear Nike. They yep. don't just want, you know, marathon runners or trueborn athletes to be wearing their brand. So your mm. brand, like you can change it, but the messaging needs to be consistent and strong that you can do that, right? And that's just a, obviously Nike. It's a, like one of the top brands in the world. But like think of it like that, you know, like who's attracted? Who are your people? What are they doing? What are they doing when they're consuming or listening or whatever it might be? So that's what brand is. That's what brand is to me anyways. I'm really interested with that. You say Nike, I say Nike. Now I Sorry. don't know what's actually <laughs> right. I'll keep saying Nike or Nike. Yeah. I wonder if they're expanding their niche or mm. if their niche got confused because mm -hmm. that's really interesting because we were just talking about, you know, find your thing. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's the opposite effect. And obviously we're heading into a world that's more inclusive and yep. blah, blah, blah. I understand all of that. However, I find that quite interesting. Did they sit down when they first created the brand perhaps and say, we only want, you know, people who play sport mm. at a high level or... Did they sort of say, no, I want to cater for everyone, but then mm. the messaging got lost? Because mm. what was it? If you've got a body, you're an athlete. So yeah. I feel like they're just trying to say basically anyone can wear our stuff. Yep. I think it's smart marketing. Yeah. Because I think all good brands start niched. All good brands start niched and then they expand. Um, they expand the way they do it. Um, and like, yes, when you're small, you should stay quite niche and own your niche and then, you know, broaden your niche and be able to expand outwards a little bit. And this is even like a good example for like even online coaches. It's like start really niche and hone in on what you do really well and then broaden that a little bit and a little bit more. And, you know, obviously you're going to keep your niche pretty relative. But for them, I just think it's a smart marketing move because look at the percentage of people that are athletes. Look at the percentage of people that are competitors in anything, right? Look at the percentage of people wearing active wear these days and even how that's changed, right? Like 10 years ago, you probably wouldn't have worn your Nike tights out for brunch, but you do these days. And that's just the way lifestyles sort of change, that everyone's wearing active wear everywhere. So yeah. I just think it's, it's smart marketing um, and... I think as well, like people probably started to do that with the brand anyways, and then they sort of cottoned on to the, probably the opportunity and therefore they expanded it. And I just noticed it in the store because I was like, wow, their branding's really different. Even the mannequins, there was some mannequins that were like normal. You know how like a lot yeah. of them got six packs and stuff? Yeah. There was mannequins that were normal bodies. And I was like, I love that. Yeah. I love that because totally. there is athletes that aren't shredded you know, and that's sort of their messaging. It was all around like, you know, there is no finishing line when you're running your own race. It was all that sort of marketing and it just felt wow. more inclusive. And I was like, I like it. You know, I think it's a good move. It's a good direction because, you know, even the new Barbie movie, I just think a lot of people are mm. trying to, yeah, like widen a little bit and be more inclusive. Yeah. And that's interesting. I mean, because these are multi, multi-million dollar mm -hmm. activewear companies or, you know, iPhone is a, a tangible object. But for us who are providing a service, to not get mixed up. Yes, you can have your niche, expand within your means, but if your expansion starts to dilute your niche, then just find someone else. Like, mm -hmm. for example, if I was to ever just take on nutrition, I would actually work with a dietitian. Yep. Rather than me going back and doing that, then that'll distract me. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like just because all these companies are expanding, you know, that might mean hiring out. Mm. Um, but I also wanted to make a point that, and I love when you said, you know, your brand is what people say when you're not in the room. Your brand isn't just you when you're on camera or if you're with a client. Yep. It is you when you're ordering a coffee or how you talk to, to the waiter because 
And I can't remember if I've told this story in here, but I'll tell it again. Um, once Paul and I were in the car just driving around and there was someone in a, a, his work ute mm. who was just speeding and cut us off and was driving in so... His wor- oh, in, in their was, work ute, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was yeah. like, Paul has a work ute? No, Paul doesn't <laughs> have a work ute. Yeah, sorry. There was a person in their own work yeah. vehicle um, with their branding all over it, cutting yeah. us off. Like, and we were just driving normal, but he obviously was in a mood and just wanted to get somewhere, mm. driving very dangerously. First thing Paul did, went on his website, left a bad review. Yep. This person is the worst carpenter I've ever dealt with. Like literally just made up this whole thing because he was wearing all of his logos, his mm. uniform and, and was acting poorly. So that is your brand yep. on the road. Like mm. in every scenario that you're in, mm. it is your brand. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And I feel like, Product and service, like it's still all brand as well, but especially for what we're talking about, like if you've got a service and it's interactive, like if you want to be good at that and known for that and build culture and brands, you have to be specific with who you're working with, right? Because even when we take on new clients, I can't help everyone, you know, like I'm not a jack of all trades. I can't, I can't help everyone. Like what we do is reserved for, you know, a specific type of person that wants a specific type of thing. Do you know what I mean? We get people come to us that are like probably more suited for for in person, you yes. know, or maybe they need something else, or maybe they, you know, we don't write out meal plans, so like maybe they need something like that, you know. So that's what it is when you're an online coach. You're really trying to find like your people, and you're really trying to be specific with what you do, rather than taking on like everyone for anything. And I think as well, like at the start you've probably got to do that for a lot of people. Like you've probably got to get a feel because I, I also don't think like right from the start you pick your niche. Um, I think your niche sort of finds you yep. in terms of like what you do and who you are and what you put into the world. You you attract a sort of like a type of person. And I experienced this like right at the start of my coaching. I definitely got a lot of people for body composition and competing and just that sort of category because that's what exactly what I was doing and that's another thing like you are your brand as well like what you put out in the world is what you're going to get back so that was definitely my niche over then and then when I went to the women's health movement it's definitely changed um, as well it sort of shifted a little bit and we have women in their 40s and 50s and I remember at the start I was like oh that's old can I help them <laughs> and then when I was like Shit. it's not now though like do you know what I mean like now that I'm working with them I'm like Oh my God, these women are exactly like, they're, they're better clients. <laughs> I can't wait to be 50 and deadlifting yeah, and I'm be like, hard and like, Oh my God, yeah. these women are incredible. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and that was just my ignorance at the time in my, you know, sort of like mid to mid-ish 20s. Totally. Um, but yeah, like that's just an example of like your niche can change based on like your branding and how you position yourself in the market. You know, everything from your brand name to like the way you portray yourself to what you do as a person. And I think that's pretty important for coaches because even a lot of people compete for business and I'm like probably not the best business move do you are you a comp prep coach like because a lot of people like yeah I don't actually prep clients though and it's like okay like maybe be clear on like what you're doing then because know that you're going to attract that in return yeah it's an interesting one and I remember when you know you and I started our fitness page sort of similar times Mm. just for our first comp just Mm. to have like a diary of what we were doing and then then I got into the like hands-on space but yep. I was still posting training and fitness things and all of that and it was a, a light bulb moment for me where you know I was getting messages and people were like so what do you actually do like are you hands-on or do mm. you do exercise like manual work? therapy hands-on hands-on yep. sorry manual therapy yep um like on a practitioner table or do you do exercise and then I realized okay people don't know oh, people don't know what I'm doing yep. like I'm not because it wasn't my passion at mm. the end of the day. I didn't want to post. And this is no no shade on anyone who does this because I freaking love um, manual therapy and, and all of that. But I just didn't want to post myself doing the manual treatment. Mm. So that sort of allowed me, as you said, your niche kind of finds you. Mm-hmm. I sort of worked out, hang on, why is this something that I'm not putting out there? Why am I really just drawn to posting my training and talk about exercise rehab and all of that? And then I realised, well... And then with the help of lockdown, sort of got rid of, or closed that chapter and just continued on the way. Mm. So for people starting, yes, hone in on what you're you're good at, but allow 
it to sort of take you on the journey. Mm. And there are little clues based on how you're feeling and what you want to put out there and what people come to you for as well that will mm. really guide you. It's not about having your shit together from day one. Yep. You just have to start. Yep. You know? Yeah, figure it out along the way. Figure it out. One thing I see a lot though that I feel like a lot of people need to hear this <laughs> is if you're an online coach, like you should be investing in your own self, in your own personal development, in your own education. And I always find it hard to fathom that people could be online coaches without having had online coaching. And I know that's like a very prevalent thing, but I just, I, I feel like that's so important. And a lot of people skip that step. Like you need to know what it feels like to be a client and you also need to be investing yourself so that you can get better at your practice and really like, you know, learn the latest, but then also, like I said, be a client. And I just see that a lot where a lot of online coaches are investing in business coaches, but they're not investing in their own training and nutrition. And it's like, that's the skill of what you do, right? Like, yes, you need business skills, but like, don't go out and get a business coach or a social media coach if, like, you're a shit coach. You know, I know. invest in yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that can be harsh, but if you're not inspiring other people and other people don't look at you and be like, wow, you're an incredible coach and you're really good at what you do and you can get clients' results, you have a strong brand and you practice what you preach. Like, if you don't have those pieces, stop spending your money on coaches that are gonna promise that they can scale your business. You shouldn't scale something shit. More people are gonna see it. <laughs> like, that's that's the reality, right? Because I see a lot of people and they're like uploading their training and all of that. And I'm like, damn, like you need some in-person help. You know, as like an online coach, you know, you need to work on your technique. Or yeah. like, you know, your programming, that doesn't make sense. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like, again, it's foundational steps that people just jump into the online space. And I'm like, you skipped A, B, C, D, E, and then went straight to F and went into the online space. And you're wondering why you're not retaining your clients. You're not getting clients results and you're not attracting new people. You know, and that's, that's a very, I know that can be hard for people to hear, but it's like, if you're not retaining your clients, you're not getting new ones, you're not attracting them. Like, it's probably the way in which you're doing something. It's got nothing to do with your business model, you yeah. know? And, and that's just a very common thing because if you were on a gym floor, you'd get told that straight away, mm -hmm. right? Someone around you would see it and probably correct you. But in online space and in business, no one's going to do that. People are just going to leave without telling you why. Because half the time, you can be a quote-unquote online coach and you haven't even done your cert three or four. Yep. You could walk off the street right now. Mm -hmm. But you don't even learn anything in that anyways. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, you need legal reasons, but like, yeah. you can get that out of a cereal box these days. Yeah, I got mine out of um, Cocoa Bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, but you know, people haven't even tried to learn. Yeah, they, they just they just it's the work edit, ethic piece. Turn on Instagram, click edit profile, type online coach, <laughs> save. That's the one second um, yeah. certification. So. Yeah, you know, do the groundwork at least to a point where you're confident enough mm. to then put yourself online. Because mm. you've got incredible people in that field who aren't posting on social media. Mm -hmm. But if you wish to be the best online version of yourself, you do need to have a baseline level of social media skill. Yeah. Because... Yeah. The thing is, that's where they're going to find you, mm -hmm. you know. If you were working and, and relied on walk-ins and people walking by for your business, different story, but you're mm -hmm. online. The world is your platform. You yep. can literally get anyone from the world, but they have to find you. Yep. The mistake that I see, people just become content creators yeah. and they actually forget about their business, yep. you know, because being a content creator and being a coach or a health mm -hmm. professional are two different jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't go to uni to learn Instagram or TikTok <laughs> or how to work a camera or a micro, how to yep. set up your road mics. We learn our skills. <laughs> and you see, you know, all the pivotal conversations mics <laughs> that we're using. Oops, <laughs> wrong shout out. But people get distracted by the bells and whistles. Yep. They, they're so good online. But as mm. you said, their business model is yep. poor. They haven't set up how to actually take in a client mm. or how to how to deal with, you know, multiple clients. They sort of have five or so clients and have a bit more time for online because yep. getting the followers is addictive and the validation mm. and the comments on your posts about how amazing you are. Mm. People get sucked into that, but that doesn't pay the bills. Mm. There are a lot of broke TikTokers who still work, you know, doing their normal job. Yep. So don't get lost in the content creation side of it. You know, you have to make sure your business is rock solid 
and then get into that space because mm. there's no point getting all the traffic and leads from your amazing content into a dead end. Yep. As you said, there's not going to be any retention. Bad word of mouth spreads like a wildfire. Mm. You know, people are so quick to talk when they're not happy about you. Um, so, yeah, don't get mixed up in the bells and whistles. Mm. Get your foundations of your business first and then spend some time on social media. Yep. Building a following, building a business and building a body or like being a coach. Yeah, good. What's that? Oh, no, good catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> they, they all require completely different skill sets. Yes. And a lot of people think it's, you know, oh, well, if you have a lot of followers or if you have a following, you can have a good business. It does not work like that. As you mentioned, there's a lot of people that are incredible at their craft that aren't even on Instagram and their books are full, you know, because they're they obsessed over the right thing. They're good at what they do. You know, they're really incredible coaches and therefore they get away with a lot more. They don't, it doesn't matter if they don't have a following, right? Whereas, yes, like I do obviously think that having a social media presence and again, your brand, all those things are super important for all businesses. But at the start, like you just need to work on being incredibly good at what you do and making sure that you are a good coach. Because like you said, you know, people just obsess over the followers and they're neglecting their clients. And my my pet peeve, I see this all the time, and it just grinds my gears. <laughs> and I just, I can't, I can't fathom why coaches get on their stories and communicate with their clients where they'll be like, all email <laughs> inquiries will be responded to by tomorrow. It's like, why are you doing that? <laughs> It's like seriously the biggest ick. Like, don't How do that. How many inquiries would they really have? Far out. It's like, guys, I've been away all weekend. Like, I'll do your check-ins tomorrow. Thank you so much for your patience. It's like poor Message business. Your clients. Poor yeah. business. Like, poor business. Do, like how many do you have can you not send them a message in the app that you use i don't know do you know what i mean like common oh, sense no. ain't common sometimes but just don't do those things think about what the receiver your client thinks they're thinking oh followers are going to think that this looks great because it looks like I have, i've got a lot going on and i'm really busy and i have a lot of clients and a lot of messages and stuff client if i'm a client i'm like well i ain't going to her she's way too busy for me Yes. Right? And people, like, unfortunately, people see status and they go, I want that person, they're going to fix my problems. They see that and, look, status makes the world go round, but it's a bad business move because people want coaches. They want someone that's got time for them. They want someone that cares for them. They don't want someone that – they don't care how many followers you have at the end of the day. Maybe it'll get you the lead, but it won't keep you the client. Yeah, if I hear someone's working with thousands and thousands of people mm. at a time, you know, it's great that they've been able to transform that many lives and blah, blah, yeah, blah, whatever marketing. Puts me off. I'm like, mm, my ultimate goal would be to work one-on-one -on -one with someone, yep. to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, it might sound, you might think it sounds good from your end, but as a client, mm. they don't, they just want a great service yep. and they want your time. That's what they're paying for. But mm. then... You also get the whole other extreme of the pendulum. You know, you obviously get coaches who neglect their clients because yeah. they're too busy dancing around on social media. But then it's the whole other way where they become like, you know, so close with their clients that yeah. all boundaries are they removed. Yeah. Particularly that first client. We all remember our first oh, yeah. client. And you just move mountains yeah. for them. Yeah. But then I learned very quickly that that is not good because when you take on your first client, you have to pretend that you've got, you know, 20, 30, 40 mm. clients and give them the same treatment because yeah. you might have the time to get on a Zoom call with your client individually or even a phone call checking. People still do that stuff. But then, you know, your business is going to grow. Can you get on the phone with 50 people mm. a week, you know, and have a 45-minute chat? No, you can't. You know, are you going to be up till midnight replying to things? Mm. No. So you need to set boundaries. your boundaries yeah. immediately, you know, be clear. And there's no problem with that. And even from the receiving end for me, if I'm working with someone, they'll say, yep, you know, turnaround time will be roughly this time. Or, you know, I haven't said to my clients, yep, you'll get your technique between this time frame, check-ins on this day. Um, I don't I don't log on to messages on Sundays. Mm -hmm. I'm very clear with my boundaries at the start, yep. as you are as well. And they respect that. Mm. There's nothing worse than being told something and then it's not fulfilled mm. because then you lose trust yep. and vice versa. So set your boundaries and, again, don't be everything for everyone. Mm. Particularly if they're paying you, you know, your, your entry-level wages. Some people 
$50 a week people charge, which mm. $50 is, you know, again, it's all relative. But if you're doing training, nutrition, you're on the phone with them, they're in your Instagram, they're in your WhatsApp, yeah. they're on the, the platform. Fucking hell. They're in your house. They're, they're in, in your house. Bed. You're cooking them dinner all of a sudden. <laughs> Hang on a minute. It's not worth your time nah. and money, guys. Like yeah. set your boundaries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So important to do, right? And if you're like over-attaching to your clients, providing everything above and beyond doing, you know, responding at, you know, ridiculous hours and just doing everything that you can, what are you compensating for? Mm. You know what I mean? Like what aren't you meeting the needs on? Because if you're doing what you say, and most people don't want you to like, most people don't want you to, what's the word? Like most people just want you to meet their expectations. They don't want you to go above and beyond. They just want you to meet their expectations. A lot of the time in the online coaching space, expectations aren't even met. Yes. You know, I speak with a lot of clients that come to us that are like, oh yeah, like, yeah, I had like one program for like 12 weeks and yeah, I just don't know if that's right. And you're like, no changes. Nah. So like there's just certain things that you're like, it's, it's a, yes, it's a saturated industry, but there's a lot of people doing it not very well. Um, so if you come in, you, you know, meet expectations, you stick to boundaries and, you, you know, you do all the things, you can be really successful. It's just that you've got to be consistent and you've got to put in the groundwork and you've also got to invest in yourself. And if you're getting into online coaching for the money, you won't last. Do you know what I mean? You have to do it for more than the money. There has to be other reasons as to why you do it. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the episode, please share it with a friend or share it on your socials and don't forget to tag us. The money will come, but mm. like that person who didn't change the program in 12 weeks, if they were super clear, you know, this is... Yeah, if you brought the program. This is, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you don't know, because sometimes they come to you and you, their expectations are too that's high right. as well. That's right, their expectations were Maybe set. they bought a $20 online program, yeah, you don't know, right. but if that coach, you know, to, to cover themselves, mm -hmm. they could have... And even I have to do it on the phone. You you explain, you don't justify your methods because people yeah. know we've we've set our brand now quite strong and we're very confident in what we do. We don't need to explain ourselves to beg for the client to join. We just educate them on our methods and why we think that XYZ is good for them right now. And I I you have to sort of crack the whip at the start and say, you know. I understand this is your problem. This is what I feel like can help. And this is my process. Mm. You know, you're going to have to do this, you know, maybe every day for some rehab and yep. things like that. So they actually know what it takes. And you yep. say, yep, your program will change roughly in this time frame based on these mm. factors. You know, if you miss a whole week or two weeks because you're away, you're not going to get a new program after mm. one week. Like things like that. So mm. just be so clear in your initial communication and there can't be a problem. Yeah. But I still had sort of one person recently and they're like, you know what? Actually, I don't think I'm ready to do that that mm. work. And that's fine. Yep. They can go, you know, do the other style of training. And I love when we have those conversations at the start yep. because taking on the wrong client is so much worse than not oh, having a client at all. Yeah. So I've been in situations at the start where you kind of just take people on. You're not, you know, yeah, you're still trialling it out. And I go, wow, I would actually pay you to not work with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would pay yeah. you every week to yeah. not talk they to me again. They cost you more money and time. Yeah. yeah. People that pay the least expect the most too. Totally. Um, <laughs> and, totally. and the other way around as well. But, you know, it's there is a right coach for everyone. Um, and something like what you were just sharing there, Danny, is when people are always like coming from previous coaching experiences I and they tell me about, you know, there's always two sides to every story and it's I just I just get curious a little bit about like to make sure that we're going to meet their expectations of what they feel like they need to like I think that's mm. really important I always ask like oh what do you feel like um you know what was missed or what do you feel like was lacking in that area why weren't you happy essentially and then when they share that I'll always ask like oh do you mind me asking like what was the investment like what was the cost of the coaching and if they say something like oh 40 50 dollars a week or whatever I'm like well what do you expect yeah you know what I mean like you, you get what you pay for so like you're not going to go in and and you know spend ten dollars and expect like a really luxe service unless of course the opposite person set the expectation was like no this is what I do then that's just like bad practice but you have to be like for clients you have to be realistic for what you're asking you know you go to the hairdressers you pay a couple hundred dollars for someone's time and and product and service like it's not going to be any different just because it's online you know you're paying yes. for an outcome um you're paying for a result not the time that they spend on you essentially so yeah it's always really important like for coaches listening to be so clear on your expectations and set them firmly don't feel like you can say things once and 
person people will remember. And when I say expectations, it's just things like what you said, Danny, like I'm offline on a Sunday, I'll respond by this time, check in on a Sunday, technique reviews here, blah, 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 cancel calls if you're not coming, whatever it is, like yeah. expectations. And as soon as those expectations aren't met or on both ends, it has to be acknowledged and reset. So that there's no confusion and you don't get clients leaving and then, you know, bad-mouthing your brand to someone else because expectations weren't met on their end, but really they were just never set to begin with. Yes. And I think another one is to just set a limit on your clients. Mm. You know, I'm sure as the business grows, the marketing's amazing and the, the leads can be coming in. You know, oh, just one more and you start doing the maths and it sounds all good, mm -hmm. you know, on your calculator for your weekly income. But then fast forward into real time, actually having too many clients and it is a nightmare. Your yep. quality of life just goes down the drain. Your quality of service just goes down the drain and then people leave. Yep. So taking on too many clients mm. is not good either. Yep. And it's it doesn't happen by surprise. You mm. can feel when it's slowly becoming too much. Yep. You don't just wake up and have, you know, 20 extra clients by accident. <laughs> one or two, <laughs> it can tip over the edge, mm. I feel. So that's another big mm. one. What do you notice for you, like if not even just client load, but workloads getting too much? Like what do you notice for you? What's the first like red flags? Like, like if I've taken on too much, um, I think, think oh god look I'm gonna be that I haven't been in that position in a while um, because I feel like I've really fine-tuned my routine over mm. the years to what I want yeah I just it it starts by me losing my free time yeah you know I haven't tipped it over the edge to where the quality of my work like if I say I'm gonna get someone something I bloody well do mm. no matter what the circumstance is and that's my high standards. But I again, vouch for that. I'm like, Danny says know, something, she does it. <laughs> that, and that's just such a strong value. Yeah. So I haven't been to the point where I've not delivered the deliverables and things like that intentionally, but mm. um, I've created a buffer in a sense. So the first thing I notice is I have less free time. Yep. And then all of a sudden on the weekends, I'm spending more time and it's creeping into dinner time on a Saturday. And I'm like, oh, okay, I was a little yep. bit behind on that. Um, but in the past, you know, I would be staying up late, getting up really early. I might skip a gym session or two, mm. spend a lot more time sitting down and my body starts to hurt. Just yep. It was more physical back yeah. then, but now I feel like my um, personal time and space buffers just close in a little bit, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that comes down to as well, like for coaches, like track your time that you're working. And this is completely hand on my heart, something I did not do for a very long time until Luke came into the business. And, you know, he is like such an operator and like a process man, but he introduced like toggle, which is just what we use mm. internally where we like all of us, everyone on the team logs what they do. Um, or like when they're toggling certain projects, um, um, and, you know, like every now and then I'll need a reminder because I'm like a little bit slack because, you know, when you're like it's your business and you just do things all the time, you forget, I'm like, oh, the damn play button. Yeah. Um, but Does he catch you out on that? Oh, yeah, all the Good time. Call me up. <laughs> <laughs> like, Lead by example. I'm like, you're right. Yeah. You're so right. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, and like sometimes I'd be like, heck, no wonder I'm exhausted this week. You know, if you're toggling for like 50, 60 something hours, you're like, yeah, it's been a massive week. You know, and I actually got to see like with like toggling, if I had a massive week, like, you know, for me like as well, because I feel like anything in the 50 plus hour mark on your computer is a lot. Because when you think about it, Danny, I don't, I don't toggle when I'm on my phone posting or yeah. that's still work. Like you're not, you're always working, but physically behind a screen, I feel like once you're getting into the 50 hour mark, like man, you're burning, you're really starting to burn. And when I've had a couple, like especially with the app launch and stuff like that, yeah. easy, um, couple of like consecutive 50 weeks um, behind a screen, it would be followed by like look, so much I guess, in productivity um, and just feeling tired, drained, couple of 20 hour weeks, like just struggling and you can see it really average out and being able to do that, I'm like, yeah, man, I can burn myself. But then look at the collapse that happens after it. Look at the quality of work. Look at my energy levels. Look at, you know, it's like you've got to work more hours to get the same output done or get the same amount of energy or work there. So I feel like being able to really audit 
what you do best and how much you can work and how much you can function to see trends to make sure that you can set strong boundaries and be really clear with those things and yes know that you can burn the candle at both ends when it comes to it because we all have to that's just part of it you've got to learn to grind when the time comes totally. but you also have to learn to rest and you have to invest in rest and you have to pull back and make sure that you can fill up your cup because it's not about the amount of hours that you do it's about the amount of work or the amount of productivity that you can do with that hours rather than just being busy all the time and that very much is the reality and mm. you know you went from being a midwife to working online I went from hands-on manual therapy or being on the gym floor to going online yeah. and then all of a sudden I noticed that you know you, you become less active you do less steps in a day oh, your training yeah. suffers I doing a comp prep being sedentary uh, it's it's so much harder mm. uh, you notice all of these things in yourself as I said you, your body feels different mm. not only you know you might get some little aches and pains from being sitting on the computer if you're not disciplined with your movement but yeah. then also in terms of body composition yeah. as well it and is harder mentally so much harder. and your eyes are straining and so there are so many physical implications mm. of staring at a screen like you need to nail the times in which you're on the screen your actual setup as mm. well don't just be hunched over over a mini laptop mm. or a tiny little ipad i have big screens yeah and I, I laugh and even when I was, I moved to the beach for the first time out of home and um, started being online, I would post those, you know, my laptop and then the beaches in the background and all that stuff. I was young and excited. Had fun. Had fun, but then, you know, 30 minutes later, the, the screen went black. You're, you're, it's overheated type thing. <laughs> like all the realities yeah. were, were That's kicking what I mean. like, in. I'm so inefficient when I've got to work away from, like I have like a studio set up where I work. I'm so productive in yeah. there. It's my environment. It's where I get shit done. But like when I travel and like it's part of work, you know, if you're online, there is often a little bit of travel. But like I am by no means pretending like I'm building the worth of my company online while I'm at a cafe. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm yeah. chipping away and doing low output tasks like yes. emails and message responses that don't build anything, to be honest. Like the real work is done when you're deep in thought, when you're doing active deep work. And that just ain't at the beach or at a cafe. <laughs> and people don't realise that because yeah. being busy and being productive are two different things, right? Like so many people are just busy all of the time. They're just so busy. And you're like, geez, they're really busy. And a lot of people attach that to successful, mm. but it's not because busy and productivity are two separate things. Yeah, it's you do see those extremes, but you know, dare I say, the people that are showing that they're online coaches, but they're always on a holiday, they're always at a cafe at the beach, and mm. I'm talking like we're all entitled for time off. And oh, hundred percent. I love Have doing a emails yeah. at a cafe yep. and all that, and that's fine. But the yep. ones that are claiming that going online has allowed them to have, you know, the physique of their dreams and they're always out walking their dog or they're on holiday. It's yeah. bullshit. They're not busy. No. They are not busy. I can... I, I, well, they're not productive. They might be busy. Well, yeah, or what's the quality of their business? That's what I mean. You just can't. Yeah. You know, you need to be on your computer glued there, not prancing around on holidays and all that 24-7, you know what mm. I mean? It's not realistic, but yeah. that was the dream that I was sold. Yeah. I thought that's what it was. And then yeah. I started, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, all right, it's not the reality. Are. I feel like nothing is ever as good as what it's made out to be. Totally. Like everything in the world. Like what, if you think it's amazing, it's not. You know, and this goes for anything, you know, when you can look at someone, you're like, they're crushing it. It's like you look under the hood of their business or you look at their personal life and you're like, oh, wow, you know, they're really struggling. And I think yeah. that's just, it's important to acknowledge that there's good and bad in everything. But if you're always just sold the perfect lifestyle for a lot of different things, you're going to be disappointed. And I think in the online space, even um, like, I think it was last year, year before, I did like a coach the coaches sort of internal mentorship. And, um, you know, we had like a few online coaches in there, quite a few online coaches. And, you know, the, the main thing that come up was like loneliness. Yep. It's like, if you're in a business on your own, it's really lonely. You're online, you know, you're no one to talk to. Um, even online coaching, it's like, you're not just really communicating with your clients all the time, usually doing the work behind the scenes. And I would really struggle if I just had my own thing all on my own. Like I get so much satisfaction out of having a team, being able to work with my partner, like even just like 
creating content with Becky. Like I love collaboration podcasts with you. I'm like now, now that I think about it, I do everything in collaboration because yeah. I just feel like that's a big part of me. It's just being able, like what's the point of climbing the mountain if you're just there on your own True. and just celebrating? Like it's so much better <laughs> when you can celebrate and have wins with other people rather than doing it in silence. And I feel like that's, that's really what online coaching is at the start. It's lonely. You're just doing it on your own. You have connection with clients, but you just have to be mindful of those things that no one talks about. Nothing beats going back to our primal instincts of eye contact, mm -hmm. human touch, oh, energy. Love a good hug. Love a good hug. <laughs> I know. Like, we weren't made to be staring at a screen yeah. pretending to talk to people. You mm. know, I mean, it's fantastic. And, yes, mm. we can connect with people all over the world. But from a physiological standpoint... You can have hundreds and even thousands of clients but still feel lonely just oh, yeah. because it doesn't fulfill the needs that us as humans have. Even followers, right? Like they're not – like I, I, I try to be like, yeah, they're real people. But like until I'm having a conversation with you, it's, it, it is hard to attach it from just being a number. Well, you could fill the MCG with your followers. <laughs> Imagine just, you know, showing them – a story that you did in the gym, like hundreds of thousands of people. Imagine actually. I'm trying not to think about say, it. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> like, but you don't think like that. No, you and don't. And even if you did, doing yeah. it still doesn't feel the no. same as you standing in the middle of the MCG on a microphone. Imagine the, how different it would feel, yeah. right? I feel like that, like that human need of connection is only met by being intimate with those people. Like followers. Being intimate with like everyone. The, in the level of intimacy. <laughs> like on the couch. What are you doing like online? On the couch. Hey, spicy link. <laughs> but like being here and now with you, right, it yeah. fills that void because yeah. I can see you, I can hear you, I could come over there and touch you if I wanted Do to. It, but like a follower, it, there's no level of connection because there's so much distance between that. So it doesn't feel like anything, to be honest. Like I, I just, I like, I don't think that that's bad. I think that's, you. we should know that. We should feel that. We should know that that's not real life. It's not. You still have to get out in the real world and, like, meet people and be able to communicate and, and you know, have friends and laugh and be able to feel emotion in real time and not glued to a screen, right? And yeah. online coaching in the online space allows us to, you know, it, it gives us so much friggin' flexibility and scalability and enjoyment and you can really customise everything exactly how you want to do it. Like, being online is is incredible. It has so many perks but doesn't come without half of the shit too. Yeah. And I feel like those first two to three years, if you're really setting up a really strong online coaching business, and I'm still in that, um, if you're trying to set up a really strong, like, company and or, or whatever rather than just doing the things, you're actually trying to, like – set it all up there's gonna be a couple of years of just true grind of you know 50 hour weeks of like lots of screen time of like boring shit of like missed training sessions there's gonna be all of that but as long as you know that like during that setup process you're going to experience that and then afterwards you know you can pull back a little bit have a bit more sustainability maybe i'm not there but mm. you know you can see that runway it's not always going to be like that but you have to know that it, it it will be like that at the start and i feel like a yep. lot of people don't talk about that it's like the people showing this second stage maybe they're at that maybe they're chapter seven and you're chapter one so you've got to you know be okay with what the reality does look like oh yeah and we mentioned setting up the expectations and boundaries with your clients as if you already started with 50 yeah but set up your like actual systems yeah. your accounting software or get the account and we've spoken about this before but that was We've been burned by, you know, having business and not being registered as a company initially. You know, the amount of tax you have to pay as a sole trader is mm. ridiculous if, you know, if your company grows really quick. Um, so set up all your software, your booking yeah. systems. Like where are you going to um, – what platform are you going to use to give out your mm. programs or your nutrition and your check-in? Like get all of that set up and mm. know that, you know, if you're using someone else's – company there's going to be monthly bills mm. you know using true coach when mm. you know i'm still on it and you were on it before the actual just decided to make her own one you know we both did eventually we're like hang on a minute we're giving so much money to these external companies mm. you know it all adds up because yep. people think oh it's just my computer i just pay for my electricity bill and all that yep. and that'll cover it no there are still overheads as well yeah. so just Ask questions yeah. if, if you're unsure on actually setting it up. Just get help mm. from someone and before you choose to scale. 
um, make sure that what you're driving people to is rock solid because mm. it's still a business. You're still going to pay tax and yeah. you're still going to have to set all of that up. So that was definitely, I wouldn't say mistake. I mean, I just didn't think I was going to grow that quick. Mm. Like the work ethic was there, but the online space was a little bit more unknown. Yeah. So I had no idea how quickly it was all going to grow, particularly moving from a lot of hands-on work mm. to that, that I yes was kind of taking on people as I was growing and that's fine but I think there are a few loose ends that I wish I learnt regarding accounting and mm. having a bookkeeper to or someone to just um, organize all of the things that were coming in and out so mm. that's that's what I would the only thing I'll do differently just mm. get everything really rock solid before mm. I scaled yeah why why would you why do you feel like that was a mistake like what do you wish that you had done differently in that incident Good question. I mean, hindsight's always so much easier. But again, the online space was so... Like, people were still doing it, but I didn't know who to ask. Mm. And I was sort of just making it up as I was going yep. as well. I had an, an amazing online coach in the past, but I wasn't, you know, having it the exact blueprint of their business model. I wanted to do my own thing. So mm. I actually didn't know who to ask. Because yep. initially, yes, asked for help back then. I feel like now there's a lot more people you can ask for help for with yeah. that stuff. But... Even you and I were talking just before this. Sometimes it's hard to even explain to accountants what we do. Yeah. They don't understand that you can deliver all of these amazing services online. Mm. And they're confused. Are you charging GST? Are you not? Yeah. Is it counted as this? Is it automatic? Is it a personal service? There are so many different criterias that I feel when it comes to the ATO and all of that, it hasn't actually been created in their systems. Yeah. So they have to try and categorise what we're doing mm. where you know it's imp it's impossible because mm. your business is so unique to mine to the next person's that yep. people who are trying to help really struggle mm. um if you don't actually know yep. so get super clear on what it is that what you're doing and get confident that you might actually be talking to people in a senior role who have no idea what you're mm. doing so i had to steer the ship in a sense mm. You know, until I could find someone, I still look for, for people who understand what it is that I'm doing and how I'm growing. So yep. it's still a battle that I deal with now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, the whole accounting piece, honestly, like I, I I openly be like, that is not my forte <laughs> in the business. But I think like when you're starting out, you have to wear all the hats. And I definitely did um, at the start. You have to like be, learn how to do everything. You've got to learn it. Like you said, you've got to know like, finances you've got to know your basic accounting you've got to know software you've got to know what you do so that if you do outsource it you can tell your bookkeeper and you can tell your accountant and you can sort of direct the ship no you don't have to be an expert at it but you have to understand basic terminology and language and that was not a strength of mine but I had to learn it you know I had to go out and be like okay and you know I was lucky like my parents are in business and you know they've always been in businesses so like I could ask them but it's still not the same like what they do and versus what I do like it's so different <laughs> but some of the basic stuff like you know your, your margins and your profits and your taxes and all the and what's claimable and all those sort of things like that's that's just basic knowledge so you have to understand that and then you scaffold on top of it as yep. well like you build on top of it once you learn certain things you're like oh okay I see that how that applies over there um and that was like really overwhelming for me at the start I was like god I just have like and when it's a lot of money you're like oh I don't want to make a mistake you yep. know because the repercussions are big for if you make mistakes in like the financial side of things so I feel like for anyone that's just starting like you've got to recognize that if you're entering the online coaching space you're essentially becoming a business owner and I would actually argue you're better off like you know not functioning at your full coaching capacity so that you can make sure that you're putting time and energy into the business side of things you know keeping your accounting up to date keeping your books like collecting everything thinking about the future making systems and processes and looking at better ways of doing things um, so that you know you can scale in the right way and scale is going to look different for everyone um, but there's a famous quote and it's um, fancy fails simple scales right like fancy Ooh, what fails. was that Fancy fails, simple scales. Mm. So like a lot of people just all the bells and whistles, like you said, all the packages, all the shit, they do everything for everyone. It's like yeah. everything. And then not only that, but they're on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, like they're on everything. They're doing so much and fancy fails. You won't sustain it. And for me, like I've been wanting to get into the YouTube space for so long, but it's like if I can't sustain it and be consistent with it, 
I'm not starting it. I refuse to. That's like a piece of me being like, I refuse to start something and not be able to follow through simply because I can't. Not because it's not working, but because I can't time yep. commitment wise and quality wise. So, you know, and that was a big part of this as well. It's like if we can't continue the way we want to, you shouldn't have started it. You know, you have to think about sustainability. And that's different to like changing paths, but like just be mindful of adding because I feel like that's what people do. It's like the better you get in business, personally, professionally, the more opportunities come to your way, will come your way. And it's less about what you say yes to and more about what you say no to. You have to say no to new things so that you can keep the simple simple and scale it in the way that you want to. And like I said, scaling can be going from 10 to 20 clients or 20 to 30 clients. You know, scaling looks different for everyone. It's essentially just growing and finding what your maintenance is. And you're good at that. And I feel like you've had to remind me a lot of times, you know, and you've, you've said it before, keep the main thing the main thing because, yeah, you've just nailed it somehow I don't know did you learn that the hard way or just because you know how you and I get very excited about things and passionate and driven like Mm. how did you rein in to be so good at keeping the main thing the main thing honestly I think it's my um perfectionism parts that are like if I can't keep it perfect if I can't do it well if I can't keep it consistent why start yeah um because I just feel like and I've had experiences in the past where like I couldn't sustain things and I just felt like fuck now I can't do it and it's my own fault so like I've I've definitely learned like lots of little things I wouldn't say anything major but I've definitely learned that in order to have quality and then quality quantity you must master quality right and then you've also got to be consistent for a long long time and I just know the reality to do anything well you have to be in it for decades you have to be in it for a really long period of time so if I'm like if I can't be doing this in five to ten years time I'm not starting it I'm just not there's no point what's the point it's just going to rob me of my future success so I think you have to whenever you've got like a clear vision and you really want to be successful you have to be okay with saying no you know and I like to because I'm such a yes person and Luke's like the no part of my brain (laughs) that's now sort of like permeated in there but like now I say no and convince myself yes and if I can convince myself yes I'm in right but I'm like no think about it come back to it do I have time in my week to consistently put the work in because at the start when you start anything there's like a lot of work at the start for a little gain it's like setting up the podcast a lot of work first episode you're like fuck (laughs) (laughs) but then but then it's all that work and you know the same with like whenever you bring on a new staff member a lot of work training no reward at the start you're paying them to learn right a lot of work at the start little gain starting a business hell of a lot of work people like people don't do that they go here and they wonder why year three four five things are falling apart yeah well their business going backwards they don't have a brand or no one's staying they can't keep their clients like you have to be willing to do that in everything so that's why I just like to make sure that like realistically yeah I can just do it and that's so good I mean I think what I've learned over the past two years like my my immediate clients the ones that I work with only me not in collaboration it's always the number one priority yeah so that's always good but then you know we had the gym the app that we still haven't launched you know United Health all the stuff I'm doing there I took on a lot Mm. like a lot which in theory sounded great except my biggest learning curve, I'm never going to say mistake, is allowing buffer room for deadlines to not be met by people or something random might pop up that you didn't account for. At Mm. the gym, for example, we got new neighbours coming in. They thought our deadlift platforms were too loud. So now we have to add that in time, money, energy. All I just didn't allow things to pop up. Mm. And again, it sounds great taking on these things. And we thought, oh, we're going to nail this. Of course, it's going to be hard and challenging, but it has really slowed things down. Mm. You know, we're making progress, but it is slower across the board and it is what it is it's great they all go hand in hand however if I if we only just focused on the gym for example then that would be done and we won't feel the effects of how that's affecting the Mm. app and you know all of these things so I'm really feeling the flow-on effects for from taking on a lot but then just not allowing buffer room that is my big if someone says yep 
this will be ready by this date. Give yourself at least an extra four weeks either side just to be, <laughs> yeah. just to yeah. see what happens while you're going along your daily business. Yeah. Like just to at least allow that yeah. space because, yeah, it's been quite hectic. Yeah. Well, whenever you look at anyone like really successful, like the top, 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 they do one thing really well have one brand they just don't have multiple different things unless they're like you know 60 70 and they're just investors and they don't do anything in those companies well they have massive teams yeah they have massive Mm. teams they've outsourced because really like when you look at like your leverage you only have your time so you have to essentially let other people do all those pieces too so yeah I definitely resonate and I think anyone like you know in the online coaching space and I've experienced this too because I had the coaching and then couldn't meet that demand so I started Train with Sherelle and that was the start of the app Mm. right and then this is before the women's health movement which was sort of like the hub now for them both but like building both at the same time has been like and that's the reality like you never you like you said progress might be there but if you've got three or four five different programs going on you're just never going to refine and refine and refine you know we do one type of coaching it would be so easy for me to go oh yeah oh we do nutrition oh training only oh yeah mindset only it'd be so easy for us just to make different packages but I'm like no Mm -hmm. we nail this type of coaching we know it works I know it's premium I know it's good I know it's effective I know clients love it and I'm not going to dilute what we do and create other packages and stuff for the sake of what? You know, I'd just rather nail this and then get that right because it's taken us years. And so many people just release new things all the time. And it's like, you're never going to master your craft. You're never going to be really good. And you're never going to be an industry leader in that thing for that niche. Like if you want people to think of whatever it is you do, or the thing that the, you offer and think of you. You want that. And in order to do that, you just have to like really hone in on the product or the service. And like you said, when you've got other distractions and I've felt this with the app too, right? App coaching, app coaching. And I've accepted that. I'm like, yep, I'm diversifying in my business. <laughs> Essentially, I don't mm. regret anything, mm. but it's just taken what, you know, done in a couple of years. I could have done that if I'd focused on one at a time, maybe a bit quicker. But like these are always things in hindsight. And look, quick is not always better either, I will say that. But in hindsight, I just feel like it's always best to put your energy all in one basket so that you're not like your thoughts aren't scattered elsewhere because you've only got so much time in the day. Exactly right. But then, you know, you don't know... You can predict and make educated guesses of what's going to happen, but sometimes you just have zero. And no one tells you. No one tells you. No one's there being Mm. like, here you go. Oh, you should do it this way. It's always in hindsight. It's always in hindsight. And that's what I notice with a lot of clients who are starting as well. You know, they might, they have the services that they want to offer, but then they might get a client that says, oh, can can I pay less if I only do a check-in once yeah. a month? Or they try and mould your business model. You know, that's why, yeah. like, my business model for the my coaching didn't and hasn't suffered during the other projects, like the gym mm. and all that, because I'm so clear on, what you on do, yeah. like, you, so clear on what we do. Like, mm. if someone wants something that's different to what I offer, I say no. Yeah. Because... The time and energy and money it would take or, you know, Mm. opportunity costs it would take to mould to what they want, it's not worth it. And I don't want to dilute my service and do monthly check-ins instead of weekly just so Mm. I can get a little bit of money from that. It's not about the money. It's about, hang on, no, I think weekly check-ins for what I offer is the best. So that's what people need to do too. You will be saying no as to go back to what you are saying. You'll be saying no a lot of Mm -hmm. the time, whether it be to an opportunity altogether or on the micro level, whether it be just making changes within your business, not worth it. Be really clear on everything. Yeah, absolutely. Be clear on what you do. And, you know, something I like to say is like, yeah, I definitely have those conversations too, but I do things a certain way for a reason. And this is the reason as to why, like, this is the reason why I don't split it up. And like, you don't really want less, do you? Like you want it cheaper and therefore I'll explain why it's this cost. You know, that like, you've always got to be clear on why you do things a certain way because otherwise you wouldn't do it. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're removing things, you're telling that person it's not that valuable. That's in my sense. It's like, we do things this way because I've had a lot of experience. I know this works and it's the best way to approach it. So that's why we do it. If you don't want it, that's okay. Um, You can go elsewhere if that's not what you want, but like, I'm not diluting anything right to to be able to sort of do something differently so you've got just got to be clear on those boundaries be clear on the boundaries and you know online 
online coaching and online services is amazing mm. if you can tame the beast mm. because it can get out of control really quickly. And that's what we wanted today to be about. I mean, you can have that amazing flexibility. You can talk to people all over the world. You can scale at a level that's suitable to you. However, there is the realistic side of it, mm. meaning you're going to be spending a lot more time sitting down on a computer hustling your boundaries will be stretched if they're not clear yep. you know it is a great challenge if you can harness it and be clear on your expectations your boundaries and be clear on your communication as well yeah awesome well great way to wrap it up <laughs> there you go <laughs> we hope this one resonated um and yeah just some of the the key pointers that or key takeaways that i wish that we had heard right at the start because as we alluded to hindsight's always a great thing it's you know in hindsight that you come across a lot of these lessons but we hope this one resonated for you guys and you could take something away from it thanks everyone don't forget to subscribe share on your story what else are we doing it's all new still isn't it that's <laughs> probably enough <laughs> subscribe and share on your story and Two tag things. us thanks guys thanks guys <laughs> if you're enjoying the podcast please leave us a five-star review and hit follow so you can stay up to date with our weekly podcast